Welcome to Future Left Podcast. I'm Adam, and here's always my co-host. Casey. Hi, everybody. There he is. And, uh, <laughs> and today we have uh, a, just an episode packed full of, uh, of people currently in the state of Texas, me and Casey's home state. Um, so a- as most of our listeners probably know right now, we're representing the 75181 area. Uh, Mesquite, where uh, um, Comrade Bernard recently spoke to uh, uh, a rodeo full of people, full full of, of dirty reds, which felt good to us being. Texan. We, did, we didn't ask you, Christian. Where 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 are you? Uh, where are you originating from? Because we we already talked to uh, Ashkan and uh, and Bo about it. Uh, I'm from Dallas, Texas, so North Texas. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Right. Me, and, me and Adam are from the Burbs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From the, I, from the I guess that's one way to introduce people, Casey. Uh, but here oh. with us today is uh, we have, uh, as we already mentioned, Christian Hernandez. Christian, it's it's great for you to, to have you on the podcast. Uh, Christian is a uh, is, is with North Texas DSA, elected member of DSA's National Political Committee. Uh, again, uh, Christian, thanks for for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, we're also also joined by Ashkan uh, Jahangiri, Communications Coordinator for Austin DSA. Ashkan, wel- welcome to Future Love Podcast. We're happy to be here. And finally, we have Bo Shu. Uh, actually, did I pronounce your name? Your last name is that right? Uh, amazingly Shu? enough, yeah. Most people go for Ska or something like that. So I like Bo uh, well X. I like Bo X. That was that <laughs> yeah, the, the placeholder in the in the doc. That was that was pretty sick. I, I gotta say, <laughs> I guess it just automatically but, generates that. Yeah, yeah, it's it gives you a common X Men quality. But Boshu joins <laughs> us also as co- uh, co-host of the Psychic Dolphin Garage podcast, which I believe is Houston based. Is that right? Uh, uh, yes, they're out of Houston. Um, I actually recently just moved down uh, to Austin. Um, I, I know this is a bit scandalous to say, but I spent a year working in Oklahoma, um, okay. which okay. I know, oh, man, devil state, absolutely. Sure, but sure. Um, yes, glad to be back in my home state. Excellent, excellent, and you can you can uh, you should definitely check out Psychic Dolphin Garage, and you Absolutely. can support them on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Psychic Dolphin Garage, which is spelled how it sounds. And uh, with that, y'all honor me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of money, by the way. Let's just dive into this. Uh, so uh, uh, you're listening. We're recording this uh, earlier in the week. It's Friday, and let's let's just go ahead. And say, Bernie's going to win Texas on Super Tuesday. And this is kind of the pep rally episode. And, Absolutely. Um, uh, uh, and as of this writing, he's in a dead heat with Senator Joseph Robinette Biden, which is just a beautiful name and an awful man. Uh, and <laughs> we say the middle name because it matters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but let's. I, I, I want. Obviously, we're going to be talking about Bernie at some point. I'm sure it's going to come up. But by way of introducing everyone, uh, tell us about. I, I'd like to hear from everyone. What's your experience with Texas? Uh, you know, that, and whatever that means to you. And one of my favorite questions, how did you become, quote unquote, radicalized? Uh, and Christian, if it's cool, let's start with you. Yeah, cool. Uh, so like I said, I'm from Dallas, Texas, born and raised. Uh, my parents are from Guanajuato, Mexico. Um, so there's a pretty sizable population from there in Dallas. Um, but yeah, my dad basically said, you know, fuck this border and came over to Texas um, and got a citizenship through uh, Reagan's amnesty, which similarly, you know, fuck Reagan. But um, I started organizing, (laughs) I started organizing around immigrant rights uh, probably a little over five years ago with a group called the North Texas Dream Team, um, mostly because I was asked (laughs) um, to to participate in that meeting um, and have been in meetings probably ever since. But 
Um, yeah, just the energy and the passion in that room um, comprised of mostly people who were directly impacted by a lot of the devastating uh, immigration laws of this country uh, was just electric. And um, I so I joined on the spot and hadn't really stopped um, organizing since then. Um, you know, my parents uh, obviously felt the brunt of uh, immigration laws with coming over uh, across the border, but I also have family members who, uh, you know, died because of neglect on behalf of like coyotes or mm. um, have been in detention centers. Um, and so a, a lot of these experiences are, are, are what started shaping, I guess, my worldview um, around immigration specifically. Um, but with the North Texas Dream Team, I actually started organizing. We had DACA workshops. Um, we went after the only municipal 287G agreement in Texas and won. Um, and we've been able to help community members avoid deportation, um, whether as like individuals or, um, you know, kind of rallying against ICE specifically. Um, awesome. And so our or the org was uh, approached by somebody who worked for Bernie's um, team in Nevada, actually because they really needed bilingual uh, canvassers in Las Vegas specifically. And um, I had never heard of Bernie before. And so uh, I just trusted my team when they were like, yeah, he seems cool. So uh, we took a huge 16 passenger van to Nevada and canvassed for him and uh, went to my first Bernie rally. And that electric feeling I had felt the first time I uh, walked into an NTDT meeting was the same. So uh, I was like, cool, I'm going to stick with this dude um, and uh, ended up a national delegate for Bernie and the whole DNC experience really uh, cemented that radicalizing, I guess. Um, and so made sure that I didn't just like go and be a Democrat, but actually uh, pushed me into DSA. Um, so I was a pre pre Trump DSA or. Um, and uh, became co-chair of our chapter for two years and I don't think I've stopped radicalizing since. Hell yeah. Uh, so, so my kind of, um, you know, uh, come to God story, so to speak, um, more or less like every middle-class white man is in America. I was kind of on track to just being like a dipshit Ron Swanson libertarian, essentially. Uh, yeah. And then I started working um, in college and man, Work fucking sucks. Having yeah. the surplus value yeah. of your, uh, you know, uh, labor stolen fucking sucks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just kind of just growing up in general, too, I think. Uh, I mean, not to, like, conflate, like, any particular uh, political views with, um, you know, uh, maturity, but just meeting people and getting out of my personal bubble. I was a huge gamer. Still am, I guess, uh, in high school. Surprise, surprise. Um and seeing, like, you know, just meeting people uh, really, really broadens your horizons. So, yeah. I, I'm sure. honestly, I'm, this may be my own personal prejudices, but I'm talking about getting out and meeting people within the gaming world. I'm surprised that you found radical people there. I always think of it as being sort of a, this is going to be bad, but like sort of an incelly Reddit edgelord. Crowd. It absolutely is. Uh, you find a bunch of communists on EverQuest. That's what I'm imagining. I mean, so that's that's kind of the thing too. Is like it increasingly, um, well, like uh, you know, a couple of years ago, fucking uh, Gamergate, all that Twitter shit storm happened. That was a thing that really pushed me, uh, pushed me leftward for sure. Um, cool. Because the did you see other people go with you in the gaming world? 
so so that's the thing. Uh, now, like, it's not obviously as vocal or as noticeable as the shitty parts of uh, you know people who play games, capital G gamers. Yeah. Um, but uh, there there is a pretty good uh, proportion of like people with like you know actually good politics, and you know uh, a lot of the uh, I guess you'd say like quite literally marginalized people who are pushed out of broader gaming because it's just so full of shitheads and bigots uh, that are pretty generally as a rule just cool as hell. So Cool. Yeah. Good to hear that. And Ashkan, uh, tell us about your experience with Texas and uh, your how you uh, were radicalized. Yeah, so I grew up in an upper middle class background but like a lot of people in 2007 we lost our home and that very much changed our lifestyle and you know, we moved from apartment to apartment, um, just trying to keep, our family was trying to keep jobs. I definitely started working as soon as I could. Um, and I always kind of had in the back of my head that like I considered myself a socialist, but never tried to read about it or do anything about it. And I went to college. When I was in college, Bernie ran and I lost a bunch of money betting that he would win um, on Predict It, but still didn't <laughs> do anything beyond that. Then, of course, Trump won. And around that time, just like on social media, I started to see all these articles and videos that articulated ideas that I had always had and was like putting some voice to them. And by the time I graduated, I was like, okay, well, I'm a worker now and I have to get involved. And I knew that like DSA existed and Austin DSA in particular. I went to the University of Texas at Austin. Austin DSA at that time had 800 members and I figured that you know, if you can do anything, then uh, we have at least some amount of people who are fighting for all the things that we need to be fighting for. And hell yeah, that's it. Absolutely, yeah. That's I I, I highly highly relate to uh, betting on Bernie um, in 2016. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I got fried for like I mean it was like 50 bucks or something, but like you know it stings a lot more because like 50 bucks is 50 bucks normally. 50 bucks on Bernie expecting him to win, right? Oh. Uh, so, does anyone have any money on Bernie this time? What's what's what are the what's predicted saying? Uh, let's go around. Oh, I, I have my future on Bernie. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. Right. Got a, we've all got a lot riding on Bernie. I think. Yeah. Uh, what, you guys, I don't know how old all of you guys are, but it sounds like you guys were all a lot smarter, a lot younger than Adam or myself were. Myself, <laughs> because I, like Bo mentioned, I just sort of grew up like. Um, like my mom's family is, is from Mexico, but it's far enough back to where as it moved on the dominant, I guess, white culture and, and my family became more and more all subsuming to the point mm. where by the time I was born, I, my mom's politics were probably not much different from, you know, if she'd been a, a white woman uh, yeah, yeah. in Texas, in the South. And, and so like I was, if I'd gone the direction of just sort of absorbing what my my parents and my family and the environment I was in thought, I would have just sort of been a conservative. Like my parents were particularly political, but sort of the default conservatism, which I always say boils down to like, I think in their minds, there being no nonsense and no excuses. And that's sort of what they think conservatism is. Mm -hmm. And uh, so my my road to radicalism was like very... I always call it Inspector Gadget. Like I, I accidentally fumbled into a lot of right <laughs> ways of thinking about stuff accidentally. And, I, and looking back on it, I'm like, holy shit. Like how I had no trajectory. I had no intention until I was well into it. 
Um, so it's amazing for me to hear how you guys had had these moments of like, I know what I must do. I know where I'm going. Cause I was like, holy shit. I just fumbled <laughs> into a lot of this. And luckily. I, I, I guess in, in college somehow I just started drifting more toward like a left anarchist space. And I was actually making my way just by being like a bartender and an, an unpaid intern, making my way to more of like a, like, okay, the state could be used for, for workers and maybe we should do this. And then I got arrested on J20 um, uh, and accused of several felonies. And I became an anarchist again for a little while because that you know, <laughs> happened. Because hell yeah, uh, but, hell yeah. Yeah, uh, but now I, I feel like I'm I'm coming back home to like just being like a, a, a like a, a normal good good socialist. You know what it's I mean? Funny, look, um, it's funny the white guy moment Adam had when he was arrested. He's like, the state and the police are bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to speak to the state's manager, please. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He had a Karen wig, and he was like, "Listen, I'm I'm, I'm very <laughs> upset about this. Do people know this is happening? Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I can't help but notice, and we have two uh, Texas educators on on the on this podcast. But um, y- y- no one said anything to do with the Texas education system. Uh, was was the Texas curriculum that you learned? Was that did that not open your eyes to the horizons of what our world could be? <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I know Ashcon mentioned he he was privately schooled, as 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 we'll say. So maybe his was a little bit more uh, idealistic. But my I know mine wasn't. Oh man, let me tell you, I actually went to this super liberal private school that emphasized diversity and all that, and it was fascinating. I realized What's afterwards, it's, it was called Green Hill School in Addison, Texas. Okay. I mean, I realized that like I didn't learn so many things, never learned about Reconstruction, never learned about World War One. But one thing that really mm-hmm. sticks with me is that I took two classes on like African-American history, African-American literature, and totally stripped of any like radical or class-based oh, element. Oh my God. Uh, Martin Luther King beautiful. was Santa Claus, you know? We, I literally, we had to write a paper about how like, do you think that if black people could go to a utopia on the moon, they should all go there and like write about black what? Like, what? So, what? Holy what shit. You <laughs> I, I love that. It's so woke that it circles around to being like some shit my racist uncle would say. That's amazing. <laughs> Don't you think uh, black people can have their own utopian society away from all of us? Yeah. Jesus. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, I I found out. I would say, and I'm I'm in I'm 32 years old now. I think I found out like three or four years ago that Gettysburg was was in the north. Like I just didn't know that. I was like, <laughs> I, I, it's the war of northern aggression. Surely they came down south. But uh, what no, you were raised that, that the, the Civil War was the war of northern aggression. I never heard that until I was an adult. Luckily, no. Oh, well. We went to the same school, so I don't think that's true. But I think uh, Christian, and I heard you trying to. to <laughs> I wasn't. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I was just uh, shocked to learn, uh, Ashkan, that you went to Green Hill because I went to Hockaday. So I <laughs> oh shit, like, an all-girls private school uh, for seven through twelve. Um, which I mean, I went to elementary school for for uh, you know public school for elementary school. So, um, but I was recruited to go to Hockaday on scholarship. Um, but I, hey. I will say, I think, uh, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty smart, I guess, but they probably just needed to fill, <laughs> I guess, like a, a brown girl quota. Um, oh my also. God. Well, but, I definitely uh, got scholarships. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's like something ridiculous, like 17 K a year or something. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that I, um, I can't really remember, I guess what I learned in elementary school beyond like. 
I think the stupidest shit was probably like the Pledge of Allegiance or the yeah, the Texas State Pledge. Like there was um, so much Texas stuff in the stuff. curriculum. <laughs> it's so and it was all wrong. wrong. Yeah. I, I went to I, the, I, I the think, Bullock uh, Museum uh, last time I was home, and I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> like I don't, I don't, I don't know. It just blew my mind that, like, uh, the you know, uh, like the Mexico didn't like slaves, and the white people in Texas didn't like it. I was like, well, "How did? Why did I not learn this?" You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, there's a lot. Uh, of cir- circling stuff. back just a moment, I think uh, it can't be understated how weird the Texas pledge is. Like I, I feel like growing up here, we we often take it for granted, and people outside the state don't even know about it. I don't know what like, this is. What are y'all talking about? The Texas Pledge? I never did. Oh that. fuck! Uh, let, let me look up the exact text of it. <laughs> but I'm trying to. Oh yeah, I pledge allegiance to the Texas one state under God. Uh, here it's loading. Uh, <laughs> uh, one and indivisible. God, that's so fucked. That's very strange. And I yeah. guess that's part of the whole Texas thinking. It's a. Uh, sovereign nation all its own sort of bullshit well, it reminds me actually because you know uh B- bernie has been like people have been shitting on him because he said that uh like literacy programs are good even when cuba does it and everyone uh, has been uh, jumping down his throat and politifact was like it's true that that cuba had a good literacy program but it came with a healthy dose of ideology and bo, bo has the, <laughs> the the texas pledge of uh the, the pledge of texas allegiance on speed dial i don't know so <laughs> He has it on deck. He's ready to whip it out. He's like like um, Santorum with his pocket constitution. <laughs> it's it's that and mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. That's all it I took is. away from fucking school. I busted that out on a podcast one time. I was like, what are you doing right now, bud? <laughs> Just it's the, the fucking powerhouse of the cell. I don't know what to tell you. But do you guys um, remember like in middle school and high school, history for an entire year in each one was Texas history? Oh, yeah. I don't think they do that in other states. I don't think if you go to high school in New Hampshire, it's like New Hampshire history for a year where you don't have to learn about the world. <laughs> I could be wrong, but like, I just think Texas can't is wait to learn up. some Montana history. Texas is a bit up its ass with, with history. I think sometimes it absolutely is. Yeah. Well, especially too, because they, they kind of use it as, you know, speaking of ideology, I guess it has that same kind of, Hey, we're the cowboys and we're doing cool stuff out in the wild west and here's how we did it and yeah. it totally overwrites you know i mean the fact that many different people have lived uh in the land that we now call texas uh you know going back thousands of years and all that is totally paved over in favor of hearing about the alamo for like a fucking month you didn't go to Six Flags, Bo? Come on, there's Six Flags. We, we learned about Six Flags. You know what I and, mean? Bo, and Bo, Six Flags has Gay Day now. So, I mean, come on. We're Texas. Is super uh, there, there we go. Uh, that's that's the Six Flag, actually. We're uh, replacing the Confederate flag with um with a rainbow flag just to be like, fuck well, y'all. it's rainbow, but it's still, stars now. still in the cross and and stars, uh, still the stars and bars. Oh, that's cursed. Rainbow. <laughs> um, so, I now I Adam lives in Pennsylvania. I live in California. And you get to hear what people really think about the South uh, when you're abroad. What are some conceptions you guys have run into about Southerners in the South in left circles or just in regular circles that people yeah, being progressives and having people say that the South is all backwards and stuff like that is sort of what exactly. I'm There's just this like fundamental idea, right? That socialism won't work for the South or that you can't build a working class movement or the labor movement in the South 
And that's just absolutely wrong in my experience, mm-hmm. right? We're fighting for the same things as dignified life that people all across this country need. And yeah, I mean, a lot of these misconceptions are totally blown away the second you start organizing, right? Right. Yeah, I think uh, absolutely. for me, yeah. it's, it's people thinking that all of us have like relatives that are Trump supporters. Um, I, like it's always just kind of a given whenever somebody asks me, they're like, oh, so like, how do you talk to your Trump supporting relatives? Um, and, you know, none of my relatives support Trump. We're actually all big uh, Bernie bros uh, at heart. Um, I think we had one Warren, but uh, he recently came over after uh, the Nevada results really showed the power of like Latino votes. Um, but I don't say my family is so fucking different, <laughs> Christian. It's oh, my God. It's so shameful. <laughs> it's, it's a lot, but yeah, I mean, um, it also has taken that, taken work to, to do that. It's not just like sure. my family wasn't born. Oh, absolutely. Supporters, unfortunately. And I, I think, um, you know, like, like you're both saying, uh, just the, the working class character of many Texans, the vast majority of Texans, I would say almost, is, uh, you know, dovetails really well with a Bernie Sanders kind of messaging. And I think even beyond that, more broadly socialist stuff as well. All right. Well, I guess talking about how those dovetail nicely, what are some of your favorite things about about Texas? It doesn't have to be political, but if you were to, you know, I guess get as romantic as, as you want to. But, you know, what either, are some things that Texas benefits <laughs> from? Either your favorite thing about Texas or the absolute worst thing about Texas. You can feel, feel yeah, free. Let, yeah, let's, sure. let's, let's do both the at the same time. time. I got you. Okay. All right. So. Texas is a beautiful state. I've driven all across Texas, all across these, you know, highways, and there's just so much like beauty and majesty and so on. But it's also the story of Texas is the story of like suburban real estate development and all these like nasty uh, things and places and concrete poured and all this stuff that just shouldn't exist. And it's like, there's the most beautiful and the worst things about Texas all in one. (laughs) No, I agree. I, I I always love. Um, I don't know if y'all know this, but RoboCop uh, was shot in Dallas. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah for, for a good portion Cassidy of it. Hall was used yes. as a futuristic uh, police station. <laughs> exactly, yeah. and there's nothing I love more than that. The you know '80s vision of a cyberpunk hellscape <laughs> Detroit is just Dallas in the '80s, yeah. like, and Ford Taurus and the police cars. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think that uh, that's interesting. I didn't know that, so I'm glad to to hear that. Well, glad maybe is a oh, it's perfect. Yeah. thing. Um, just because you know, I think Dallas has a really complicated history with like cops in general. Um, so that's oh, also definitely. like the worst thing. Um, I think um, <laughs> one of the things, yeah, for me, I really like that uh, we measure distance uh, like with time and not like actual miles. Um, which is always, I mean, I, I feel like other places don't necessarily do that, but Holy maybe shit, I I'm still just... do that. I didn't realize that was a local thing, but now that you mentioned it, oh my God. I'm like, yeah, it's about maybe. 15 minutes to it. And people are like, how, what the fuck? just tell me how far it is. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that thing. Um, I think also, um, I really like the fact that in Texas specifically, uh, well, I guess one thing I also recently learned about Dallas was that it was actually founded by like French socialists. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, did oh, not shit. know that. Uh, and so I think that feels really, to me at least, feels very like meant to be. Um, because even like uh, where my parents are from in, in Mexico, um, it was uh, the start of the independence movement. And so it just feels very like I'm very drawn apparently to just 
you know, cities with with a lot of historical revolutionary nature, which is pretty cool. Um, and I think in Texas specifically, one of my favorite things to get romantic is that um, despite being a fucking huge monstrosity of a state, um, all of our Texas DSA leaders are all like exceptionally close, um, which I think is just like the fact that we kind of are constantly checking in, but also seeing how many people are responsive to DSA, especially to even like our YDSA. We have a lot of YDSA chapters popping up. Um, just makes me feel really good about the fact that most people don't actually, um, you know, disparage at the label socialist. Like we're already kind of speaking things that people already agree with. Um, we're sort of just like, saying the scary S word um, right. and just being very matter of fact <laughs> about it. Um, and most people are just like, once you kind of push past that, they're like, yeah, fuck, yeah, I need healthcare. Like healthcare sucks here. Um, yeah. And so yeah. it's, yeah, it's awesome. Well, I think that's going to come even more so with a demographic change because I, for some reason, whenever I think about who Texans are, I guess I was surrounded by a bunch of old people growing up because all the arguments I can think of are people being like, oh, socialist and being terrified. But then when I think of my sister's generation, my, my sister's uh, 15 years younger than me, uh, socialist doesn't, socialism, the term socialism doesn't scare them. Uh, and when you, yeah, like, it's, it's not a dirty word anymore. Exactly. And, and that, I guess, with a demographic change, which then they are changing, I guess worrying about the nomenclature is probably a bigger boogeyman in my mind than it actually is for, um, you know, radicalizing Texas. But, you know, obviously there's still there's still a distance to go there. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's really like, like Christian said, like, you know, a lot of the stuff, as long as you don't say socialism, people right. absolutely adore. So it's sure. just a matter of getting the word out there and saying, yes, this is what socialism is. It, it fucking slaps. So here, here's the thing about that um, is that, you know, I think that, you know, there are people that hate the word socialism and there's a lot of people that don't know what the word socialism is. But I and I feel like if uh, if we could commit to like being more clear about it, I feel like it would just it would win more. And we have to <laughs> yeah. reclaim the word. The funniest part in the most recent, uh, like I think it was the Nevada debate actually, is when Bloomberg called Bernie a communist, which was like biz- like absolutely bizarre <laughs> because it, it was just, it's just like it's clear that it's just going to be hyperbole. If you have someone that calls himself a democratic socialist, someone's going to call them like a, a, a communist. And if someone was running as a communist, they'd probably I don't know they'd call them Satan or something. I don't know what they call Bloomberg them. a Republican like two years ago. How do you fucking he's, buy his? Way he's a Republican <laughs> today. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but but I mean just just to just to finish what I was saying I mean um it, like I don't think for instance and I I love my man Bernard but like when Bernie was like has like said this several times and he's like you know Donald Trump is kind of a socialist and I I'm always like don't do this <laughs> so it's I, pretty cringy yeah yeah but like in terms of like clarifying for people what socialism is is there a way that like you approach that anyone approaches that in their organizing work or I don't know. Sorry. Yeah. I always talk about it in terms of democracy because our country is like obsessed with democracy. I think even more so in Texas, um, but it's never like actually democracy. Um, and so being able to explain that like socialism is basically having a say in um, the things that material things that affect your life in your workplace, um, in our governance um, and really pushing that idea that, socialism and democracy go hand in hand um people it really puts pe- pushes people back 
to start thinking about the fact that they actually don't have a lot of control over what goes on in their lives and that other people are making decisions uh, about like where they live, how they live. Um, and it's just all these like invisible things that people don't really think about. And so to me, really uh, being able to like demystify what um, it means to be uh, an American, I guess, in, in the sense of, um, you know, what what actually um, our freedom costs, um, so to speak, um, and freedom being costs able a buck to. Five. <laughs> um, I, think, I was like, I think it costs a little more than that, but yeah, I mean, I always because um, I've recently been doing a lot of that uh, ex explaining in terms of like prison abolition and um, the police, and so um, kind of pushing alternatives to that and talking about. Um, you know, collective responsibility or collect over collective surveillance. Um, and I think that really um, kind of strikes people in a way that a lot of it's just like re reimagining things for people and, and sort of popping bubbles as far as what people think um, this country is or how things are actually done. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, it, it's never really like a one line definition for me. I know that like it's frustrating because I think if you get a bunch of us together, we probably all have different um, But I think that part of it is that we um, we need to be having those conversations in a, a in a more drawn out, like nuanced way that really speaks to where people are um, in terms of like their experiences to get them to that point of radicalization. Yeah, Kristen, your your the amount of patience that you have has I'm sort of set taken aback by it because I'm I'm often so just generally, I guess, frustrated and, and, and helpless. But I don't know what you're saying is absolutely right. That it's just got to be a matter of having more patient and nuanced content, like just doing the work. Like there's not a, there's not a cure all. There's not just an answer. You know, it's, it's a, uh, it's, it's a process. You can't just like be a socialist. I feel like you have to do sure. <laughs> socialism, do you socialism, know, and yeah. so I think <laughs> making it very like action oriented and very, uh, you know, I think moving it to where people have to have to take ownership of, well, literally take ownership, but also, uh, you know, have, have that buy in to saying like, oh, OK, we actually do want to be able to have a say in things, um, because I think under capitalism, we're so like decision fatigued um, that yeah. we're kind of just like, eh, if it doesn't bother us, whatever. Um, and it doesn't really hit until, you know, we're actually faced with um, some bullshit. Well, and a huge part of organizing has to ultimately be educating. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, having Bernie run is such an incredible opportunity for me and so many other people to have these kind of conversations that we should always be having about how, hey, isn't it fucked up that you work two jobs or that you have inadequate health care or that we pay too much for rent and all that. And not at all that I like, try to hide socialism, but just starting a conversation on that basis uh, makes it so easy for people to agree and we talk about educating we can walk through oh why do you think it isn't the case that we have universal health care oh there are billionaires and big corporations who profit off of our misery and suffering and then you can talk about well the word for this is democratic socialism and the answer is to as christian said be organized <laughs> and be part of this movement that's fighting for our own liberation and if you open with yeah i'm all about working class liberation maybe that doesn't immediately connect you know Right. Uh, I don't want to be like, yeah. the weird or even worse. Like, um, yeah, yeah. 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 You don't want to be like, as, uh, as, as Christian kind of pointed out, um, you know, you have to 
do the work and not just posture or pose or whatever. And I think nothing turns just regular people who probably don't give a shit about politics as a concept, uh, turns them off is super out there, LARPy, you know, tanky accounts on Twitter going, hey, I think we should hang everyone who makes more than 50000 or something like that. It's it's ridiculous and unhelpful and is pretty, pretty just whack, I think is the word right. for it. <laughs> and that is, you're describing most people. Most people are apolitical, including people who vote, right? People who are like, yeah, Biden was Obama's vice yeah. president. I'm going to vote for him. So we have to be talking to them about like the things that matter to them. But luckily, those in our society, like... Everyone does care about the same things. Everyone does have issues with childcare, with healthcare, with housing and all that. And it's such a great vehicle so, to where like in the course of one or two conversations with a coworker, it's not weird for me to bring up, yeah, I do a lot of organizing as a democratic socialist. I work really hard for Bernie to become president because I think we should all have healthcare. It kind of makes sense. And it's important, I think, so that you're not the like weird activist in someone's life who people are like, yeah, good for them. It's like, no, 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 no. Good for us. And you have to be a part of it too. Yeah, I know a lot of people. Yeah, would, exactly. A lot of people would bristle at that, that, you know, you're trying to, uh, you know, de defang them. But I think that is true that to a lot of people, you know, I mean, it just is a fact that if you come on too strong, you're going to marginalize yourself uh, in, in, these, in these people's minds. And it does have to be a matter of, you know, within left circles, obviously, those those types of you know, extreme uh, statements are something that I think a lot of us get used to doing to be hyperbolic and to and to some extent even believe. I know I'm there's there's some things that I probably well, believe a lot of people would say, well, come on now. But like in terms of what were you, you going to say, Adam? Well, just in terms of like defanging, just to say that like a lot of the people that, you know, I don't know who exactly you're referring to, but like, uh, like Bo mentioned, like online people that talk about like hanging people that talk about hanging the bourgeoisie. Or to, uh, to, or, cite, uh, to cite a, a local um, group, uh, Red Guards yeah. Austin, who I was just allegedly no longer exists, but yeah, yeah, just, I, I mean, you know, I, I honestly don't know the ins and outs of them, uh, but it's it's the kind of messaging and the kind of education that is not helpful. Or, I mean, education. I use I use that real broadly, I guess. Um, but yeah, that that's not how you communicate with, I guess, people who aren't already super political and also super online for that matter too. Like if if you if you uh, walk out in a in a red hood waving a hammer and sickle flag, you're not going to win over your coworker who. Like who just found out about the dog meme, right? But, uh, <laughs> but I think like my my position is that like that's not like people like that they don't actually have fangs. Like te tearing up a political sign and spray painting something. No, like, that, that, I mean, that's, I mean, that's far more like, easy than like having a conversation with someone about like, hey, maybe we should do a rent strike or yeah. or organizing a workplace. That's a much harder conversation than like you know, doing in under the cover of night, shitting on elect electoral politics. It's like, I, I okay, know, good know, for you. Like, but like, you know that there's people that are, that, you know, obviously, and rightfully so, a lot of us, again, I'm going to use the term bristle because I've locked onto it now, but a lot of us bristle at the idea of being <laughs> being civil. And I think a lot of people would view that as you saying, you know, be nice, clean up, you know, your, your rhetoric. And I think a lot of people would bristle at that. I'm not saying clean up your rhetoric. I'm saying organize. I know, but I'm, I, was just, I was, I thought that needed to be mentioned. No, I agree. Well, so that's that's actually a funny thing. I th I think there's a, a fine line you walk, you know, because yeah. 
on on one hand, if you're too civil, you end up a standard toothless Democrat. Uh, yeah. A lot of teeth in this episode. <laughs> I'm just yeah, realizing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you end up as your as your standard like toothless, uh, you know, Raytheon pride float kind of uh, liberal. But <laughs> if if you are, yeah, if 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 you're too out there and whack, I mean, you know, it's just mindless, senseless screeching at that point. Um, like well, I, I, I think that is the point mm-hmm. though. Of like, we have to normalize. Um, what it means to be like, I mean, you know, in DSA, we call ourselves socialist organizers, like normalize mm-hmm. being a socialist and normalize like exactly. talking to your Absolutely. coworkers about how much they make. And so it, it's also like, not only do we need to kind of um, defang the, you know, Red Guard-esque uh, folks, but also um, de-glamorize like this idea of like, oh, you have to be this like superhero in order to be effective. And um, make it to where people can fit in, like this type of um, disobedience, really, um, in their everyday lives. Like I think that's also a big part absolutely of um, for me being able to, um, with consistent work and patience, like bringing in my family members. Like my dad is like my dad, you know, is constantly sharing Bernie stuff on his Facebook, but also like has come to me, come with me to um, abolish ICE protests and has you know, uh, talk to his, uh, his family members about different types of political issues. He went to Mexico to actually vote for Omnil, um, because he felt so strongly about, like, yeah. Oh, I'm involved in the political, you know, political process. Nice. Um, and so that's like those, those sorts of things, like those small changes, but significant changes, um, you know, on a, on a larger scale, on a massive scale of everybody is now being disobedient from like the civility and like, uh, you know, kind of clashing against their bosses and their landlords like fuck that's all you really need yeah. yeah absolutely fuck yeah so like we're we're coming up we're uh as we're recording this we're less than one week away from super tuesday the contest that will tell us if bernie will win texas and i believe he will but like first like i want to kind of start the conversation why do you think bernie will win texas if you do and also what are the key issues in texas that you think uh, you know, not just, you know, Bernie's uh, platform, for instance, but just a socialist program. Why do you think that that is actually a successful program for, uh, in Texas? Because it's clear that like centrist Democrats do not really win uh, state level competitions in uh, in, uh, in in Texas. R.I.P. Beto, uh, you know, R.I.P. Robert. <laughs> right. So. I would just say that, of course, what Bernie stands for is in the material interest of the vast majority of Texans, right? People who work. But also there are hundreds, if not thousands of people in Texas who are working to make Bernie winning a foregone conclusion, basically, right? Like this Sunday, Austin DSA is going to have our biggest, our last big ass canvas, we call it. There's going to be 200 people there knocking on doors to elect not just Bernie Sanders, but also to make clear that we're building this movement. Uh, Austin DSA endorsed candidates, including our very own member, Heidi Sloan, who's running for Congress. We are going to have knocked on 100,000 doors in Texas for Bernie Sanders. And that's just one DSA chapter. We have people all across the state. We have people coming into Texas to talk about Bernie Sanders and why you as a fellow working class person should have a good life. We are not taking anything for granted. So that's a huge part of it, along with all the stuff about how, you know, of course, it's in our material interest and all that. Um, and then as far as Fuck why, yes, 
<laughs> and then it, like, oh, no, I'm sorry, yeah, not to interrupt you or anything, but goddamn, that was like, like, oh god, I, I just want to like punch a hole in my wall or something now. Like, I know you yeah. <laughs> there was so much emotion and passion in what you were saying. I was like, I was that was beautiful. It was poetry, right? We're out here. We've been doing it for months. I mean, like, it is life or death, right? I mean, like, <laughs> I, I have a friend is. who had two family members die recently because of inadequate health insurance coverage. Like, it's very real. And to see that there's someone running for president who for the first time is like, oh, yeah, you shouldn't die because of uh, the random luck of in what situation you were born into. It's oh, like, so yeah, we're going to fight like hell for that. And it's been wonderful. I've met hundreds of people in this campaign that we've been working on for four or five months now who are like, yeah, I thought this stuff my whole life too, but never had a way to like channel it into anything productive. And it's like, oh my God, well, we're doing it. Here it is. Let's elect Bernie Sanders and let's go even further. Let's push. <laughs> yeah. We're going to make like the Republican senators in Texas pass Medicare for all, right? Like that's what we believe and we're really on the road to doing that. We're going to win. <laughs> we're going to win. Yeah, I think that's the thing too is um, kind of the the other side of the coin uh, of that is traditional, you know, what what in the United States is considered the left wing of politics. So, you know, the Democratic Party uh, up, up until, you know, more recently, of course, or I should say rather in the broader political imagination of Americans uh, to, to kind of torture that phrase. Uh, you know, the, they they see the Democrats like that one Simpsons sketch where it's like we hate life on ourselves and we can't govern because yeah, fucking what 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 does your average Democrat do for your average working person? You know, more than I a Republican. Have no fucking probably, answer to that question, but, honestly, I have no. But idea. yeah, that's the thing. Not a lot more. Uh, they're they more often than not they're doing the exact same thing, just less racistly, or at yeah. least it's, less overtly I mean, racistly or intentionally racist. The, the Republicans are the status quo plus fascism. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, I feel like the like the like uh you know the the Republicans will be talking about we should expand ICE's power and the the Democrats will be what we need is diet ICE that's what we need we need just need ICE but like <laughs> a little less caffeinated you know what I mean right there's the answer oh go ahead Christian yeah I mean I think uh you know no uh no big offense to Aurora or I guess big offense like a skateboard wasn't gonna do the trick fuck him um, I mean I know he, like. <laughs> He, you know, did do something different in that he actually um, went to all 254 counties in Texas, which um, really just speaks to like a larger issue with with traditional uh, Democrats in that they um, they're only speaking to people who are already high propensity voters. They're only speaking to people who are already, uh, you know, they're just like kind of fighting over breadcrumbs of like sure things. Um, and it really hasn't yeah. been until um, campaigns like, you know, Heidi Sloan and um, we have we have a bunch of other really awesome candidates that both Austin and Houston um, DSA have endorsed. Uh, we unfortunately don't have anyone up in North Texas, but obviously we have Bernie um, and being able to knock on doors of people who've never been talked to and not only treating people like voters, but being able to treat people like people because um, the big thing um, that's been really resonating within my community and the districts that we've talked to, because we um, strategically have only talked to districts that are uh, the most impacted and on and the most underfunded um, within within our city. Um, and so we're talking to a lot of voters who I mean, a lot of people who aren't voters and people who can't vote a lot of residents, a lot of people with DACA or TPS or who are undocumented. And so, you know, to them, they're like, oh, well, of course, no one talks to us because we don't vote. Um, but being able to talk to them about Medicare for all and how that's something that would 
uh, impact them regardless of status and being able to say like, you are going to get healthcare because we're supporting somebody who believes like healthcare is a human right for everybody, like period, um, is huge. And like, just amazing to be able to talk to people about at the door. Um, and then also like the climate crisis, I think people are constantly talking about like immigration as if that's the only issue that like, um, Latinx or black voters care about. Um, but like the climate crisis is something that's weighing heavily on um, a lot of people that we've talked to. Um, and them being able to say like that in Texas, where so many um, parts of the state are dependent on oil, um, where we have, you know, like fucking Kelsey Warren is from Dallas. Like the, the code access pipeline was basically, you know, the head of the snake, as we like to say, is in Dallas. And so being able to, um, talk about a green new deal and a just transition and renewable energy. Um, in, in somewhere like Texas, it's like, fuck. <laughs> I think that's part of the, uh, the beauty and also the like upward hill, I guess, of being able to talk about these, uh, you know, radical ideas in yeah. a state like Texas. It's sort of like, well, if we can talk about it here, we can talk about it fucking anywhere. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely a, a, an uphill battle, like you said. It's, but, it's an upward uh, uphill battle, of course, worth having, and one that once you once you're in, you're in, right? For sure, and I think also the the you know obviously Bernie's message has resonated with with the youth, with our future, and like you can't win the present without buy-in from the future, and I think that's something that we've seen with um, that hasn't been seen. I'd say if we're par- doing a parallel with like the traditional Democrats, where they're you know their their young Dems are constantly raising the age that people uh, can stay in the young Democrats because young people aren't going into the party. Um, and that's because they've been gatekeeping people uh, like us that like to disrupt and, um, you know, are mm-hmm. demanding things that we know are already possible. And so um, I think that's also really important is that like, we're, we're, we're running um, DSA candidates, we're running people um, around issue-based campaigns, both Austin and um, North Texas were part of the paid sick campaign, um, you know, on a statewide level. And and Dallas, I think, was the first city that not only got it, but was it, that it was implemented as of last fall. And that's 300,000 workers that now have paid sick time, which is fucking huge when we're oh, talking yes. about, like, things like, uh, you know, the coronavirus, coronavirus all of a sudden being something <laughs> that, you yeah. know, and us having a heavy service industry, um, in Dallas, like you, you don't want people to show up to work sick with something like the coronavirus, right? And right. so, um, being <laughs> yeah, able to, I, yeah, just you know, personally, I don't. Um, and so, being able to have people, you know, uh, stay at home and and using that as a as a stepping point to talk about a, a broader thing like health justice and like what that actually means um, is is amazing. Well, and that's the thing too about delivering that message to working people is that the people who are going to be helped the most by this are going to have the most stake in it, uh, both in terms of being helped by it and in terms of, Hey, they give a shit. So to, to for a win like that for, for working people is, is just outstanding. Absolutely. And I would say that what the Democrats don't do and that what DSA does is we center class struggle. We say that we're running class struggle candidates. We're running class struggle campaigns that are fighting to build the independent power of the working class. And yes, some of our campaigns are electoral because that's what people pay attention to if they're political at all. But when we're not fighting for electoral campaigns, we're doing things like what Christian said, fighting for paid sick days. Here in Austin, we got a local millionaire Democrat Congress member to sign on to Medicare for all the bill after 18 months. We're doing things like 
like that. And we're never just like out there to like get someone's vote or get their signature or whatever. No, like every single working class person absolutely needs to be part of our movement in some way, you know, and Democrats, that that would never occur to them, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's, that's not the language they speak because like you said, you know, largely, uh, and like Christian said too, like largely they're courting people who are already politically involved in that sphere specifically. So you do AKA have like a lot of that want to cut their own taxes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the thing is, is uh, to, to sum it up is it's rich fucks. Uh, mm-hmm. So the, 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 you know, and obviously they're in it for, you know, maybe a sense of good in the world, like in terms of uh, contributing to things that help out marginalized people in whatever little ways the Democrats manage. But largely it's, it's, you know, people pulling Bloomberg's and trying to just help themselves out in that way. And yeah. I, I think uh, we should be helping ourselves out a hell of a lot more than some fucking millionaire. Right. And what we say is that, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a nice person who wants to help out the marginalized. No, like the emancipation of the working class will be the work of the working class itself. And like the candidates we run are exactly. simply part of our movement. They're organizing as candidates and as politicians is just part of the work we do every day to like build working class power and fight for the next thing and win the next thing and so on and it's It's just like like, these people that think it's a burn when when they call aoc a a bartender it's like yeah she's she's a she's a worker yeah fuck yeah she's a bartender every bartender i know is cool as shit (laughs) i know that's when adam Adam got more radical when he became a bartender he was like hey you know what fuck fuck bosses no there is there is nothing that will turn you off of capitalism faster than i mean just dealing with customers just customers in general i was gonna say karen's but there there are customers of all walks that are just absolute horseshit talking about how it's you know it's not about you know wanting to do good it's always baffling to me when there's people who say you know talk about we just need any democrat in there because we need change and i'm like if you want change and if you care about social justice why would you just want a a democrat like that that doesn't (laughs) yeah the Democrat people who vote Democrat can want all the change they're going to want. The Democrat, the people leading the party, are going to enact policies that preserve their class interests. And, and you know, it, it's, it, it reminds from. me, you know, this thing that like uh, I think Buttigieg's line against Bernie is always like, "Oh, Bernie is divisive," and I'm like, "Fuck yes, that's a, be divisive." Exactly. You know, like like it don't, is like, so important. Not anodyne and watered down like this me. Is. It's just it's choices, mm. right? Right. Like, Why is Bernie diverse? Crowdfunding okay. every time your child gets sick, or it's mm-hmm. Medicare for all, or mm-hmm. it's like displacement of everyone uh, along the sea sea line, or it's the Green New Deal. Like, like give people choices. Yeah. Don't do this. Like, oh, we're gonna have yeah. subsidies for green energy or whatever the whatever the fuck the Democrats. Do. Yeah, the fucking Klobuchar thing of oh, we're gonna fix it in twenty forty. Like that's when you're starting. And I think uh, Ashkan, you had, you had a point too. Um, why is Bernie divisive? Right. Right. It is so important to name the enemy here. Billionaires and big corporations. Why do we do We do it because it's not people's fault that their lives are shit. There is a, or it's, and it's also not random. There is a reason for it. And it's because billionaires and big corporations are sucking the life out of us. And by naming the enemy and by being divisive on that basis, we are helping to point to like how we're going to pay for it. You know, like this positive alternative comes out of, we shift the balance of power in society toward working class people and not over the people that run roughshod over us every single day. And that's how we're going to like build the world that we need. It's important to say what the problem is, you know? Yeah, that's, yeah I exactly. totally agree. It's, it's also creating like 
showing the conflict in our own lives, because I think that's also something like kind of not on the other end of it, but like a lot of people uh, have come into DSA because they're like, oh, well, I'm a good person and I do good things um, and automatically like kind of fall under the umbrella of a socialist. But uh, being able to kind of show people how like there are also things that we have to unlearn because we grew up under capitalism. So we're not just like automatically mm -hmm. in that in that space. Right. We have to have struggle. We have to have conflict um, in order for us to kind of see that we're not replicating like that oppression. We're not replicating those systems. And I think that people need to be able to see the way that they're um, also like participating in some senses of, in these systems so that we can be like, no, this is fucked. Like we need to do something about it. And so I think being able to, um, you know, ha like Ashkan said about having a name, having a name to it is super important. Um, but you can only do that if you're actively seeing yourself like in contention with that, with whatever that is, wherever that might be. Um, and I think that's something that Bernie has always been really good at doing is like speaking to people um, in a way that's like palatable and digestible. Um, because often like, you know, it's a little like jarring to hear that, you know, um, we've just kind of been going with things and thinking that things have to be this way and kind of accepting it. Um, and being able to say like, actually, there's another way. And, you know, these are exactly who you need to fight. And here are their names and their addresses. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that he's gone that far, but some of us could go that far of like, you know, these, there, there are people that are currently doing this. Like Stephen Miller, I will roll out those central park guillotines. <laughs> I mean, for Stephen Miller, Island park I, guillotines. I, <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and so just being able to, to have like, showing that also theory of change is a little different for us too. In that, like, we're not just like, advocating we're not even really just like only lobbying or we're not just like being like please don't kill us um we're saying like you can't kill us because together we're strong together we can get shit done and you you need us more than we need you and oh. so being able to really kind of make that point with people um is like not only empowering but gives them like the agency that they need to like actually change their lives well it's empowering because yeah. it's bigger than any one candidate so it's, it's a movement um, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're, you're not hoping and praying that once, uh, John Q Democrat is in office, he takes care of you. You're taking care of yourself by, uh, um, like, like you said, building that control and building that power and building that community. Absolutely. And it is um, a beautiful distillation of all of our politics or sorry. It's a beautiful distillation of our politics. When Bernie says that, the people on Wall Street are crooks and they should have gone to jail because millions of people lost their home in 2007, 2008. And then Wall Street got billions and billions and billions of dollars of bailout. And no one's, no working yeah, class. Totally insulated from any, better. any consequences. Right. Well, it's yeah. socialism for the rich and capitalism for the poor, as always. <laughs> um, well, uh, I, actually, um, it's uh, <laughs> more evasive for the, for the, uh, no, for the rich. Uh, <laughs> um, you're not going to do that whole thing. That definitely turns people on to uh, socialism. <laughs> people love it when you do the pushing up your glasses voice. Well, um, actually, it's... Uh, 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 well, yes. Uh, I like but, to just uh, describe my ideal Politburo is what I like to do. What, you're what? <laughs> I, we, I, I just wanted to mention uh, before we before we go, we're, we're, we're at about time here. I just wanted to mention if we have a lot of uh, Texas and especially Dallas, a DFW area, people listening to this episode in particular, Richard Spencer lives in Preston Hollow. 
So <laughs> of fucking course he does. So Jesus. if anyone wants to camp out in the area, maybe at the local Tom Thumb, and uh, I mean, what's his face? Uh, Thomas Rousseau lives in Coppell or Grapevine or something. Jesus, the, what really? The head of uh, the Patriot Yeah. The head of what? God. Patriot Front. Patriot oh. Front. Uh, that's a. Uh, wait, doesn't George W. Bush also live in Preston Hollow? Yes. Interesting. It's like it's like a fascist uh, haven. Um, anyway. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Fuck. Uh, but I just I wanted to thank you uh, all again, uh, Christian Hernandez, uh, Ashkan Jahangiri, and Boshu. Guys, thank you all for for being on the show and and talking with us today. Hell yeah! yeah. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. And if I Sorry. can drop my plug. Everyone listening to this should join DSA and go to meetings at DSA. And if it's Absolutely. not a like, hospitable home for you, it's a democratic organization, and you can make it one that is hospitable to working class people. Do it. Hell yeah. it your life. And we'll have plenty of we'll yes. have links to, to everything in the, in the description of the episode. Um, but, uh, but yeah, for, uh, for Future Left, I'm Casey. I'm Adam. We're going to win, y'all. We're going to win. win. Let's, let's That's right. Goodbye, everybody. Woo.